right, all right, all right. Welcome back, welcome back. You know what time it is, that's right. It's another edition of the Fan in the Van podcast time. Uh, first off, I hope everybody out there had an amazing Thanksgiving, that's one. Uh, it was nice and quiet uh, for me personally. Uh, no turkey this year. My uh, ex-wife decided to make steaks, filet mignons, which were amazing. Um, you know, something that was a little quicker and easier than either possibly blowing up your house, frying a turkey, or waiting all day for it to bake in the oven. Either which way, obviously the NFL gave us three good quality games. Um, usually you see the Lions get blown out on Thanksgiving, and this year was a little different. Um, you know, with a Bills team that's kind of a little bit questionable now, and Josh Allen's looking human, and you could tell he's playing with an injury. That elbow is... That elbow to me seems a little worse than what it is because he's throwing more interceptions at a higher rate than he normally would. But the Bills pull one out. But this Lions team, honestly, it, it, it's turning around. I mean, they fought to the bitter end. Um, you know, Dan Campbell is the right coach for that team. Uh, he reminds me of a Mike Tomlin in a way. He's a player's coach. He's like a Brian Dabble where it's, you know, it's all about the players. It's not about... You know, just the coach looking good. It's about the whole team playing good and, you know, staying positive and keeping that 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 positive mindset. The only issues that Dan Campbell really needs to work on, and it was said throughout the game, is his clock management. You know, there was one drive, I think, before the end of the first half, I believe it was, and they're not even calling a timeout. You waste like six, seven seconds, but then all of a sudden, the clock got adjusted back to 32 seconds. And I think there was like a replay or something and it wound up being an incomplete catch or whatever it was. So, you know, Detroit got away with that one. Then, of course, the, you know, the usual Jim Nance, Tony Romo jinx on kickers was in. Uh, Badgley misses uh, an easy chip shot field goal, which honestly is the one one piece of the puzzle that comes back to bite him in the end. Uh, that and clock management and the dumb penalties. The one Austin Bryan, I think it was. Allen's already thrown the ball away for a good 10 seconds, and here this guy comes, and he just freaking whips him halfway down the field. It's stuff like that that's always going to cost you a game and why the Lions are never going to be a winning team with stupidity like that, but Campbell's got to manage the clock better. I mean, Goff's been better. They, you know, He's avoided more sacks in this game than he did all year, and I think Detroit, honestly, is a team that, that's on the rise that could be a legit threat in the, in the NFC North. Maybe in the next year or two, you know, if they draft another couple pieces, you know, get somebody to compliment St. Brown on the other side because DJ Shark ain't it. But, you know, other than that, though, that was one of the most exciting games I've seen on Thanksgiving in a while. You know, then you have the Giants-Cowboy game. Well, as you know, go back to the Bills game real quick. So... A few weeks ago, I discussed how, you know, they need to change this, you know, this sill turf, whatever they call it, to artificial grass and how MetLife is going to do it before the beginning of the 20, uh, before the 23 season starts. Ford Field's another one. And OBJ was very vocal about it on Twitter yesterday when Von Miller goes down. And Von Miller's out for the rest of the year. Buffalo's chances go from top of the ladder to middle rung to get to a Super Bowl because Von Miller, even though they have a good defensive front and Ed Oliver was getting uh, getting through practically all day long, you're not winning a Super Bowl on defense without Von Miller being the captain of it. 
It, it's just it's just a no-brainer there. And if I'm the Lions, you got to follow the Giants' ownership with the Jets' ownership thought process and realize that these turfs are creating more injuries than we've ever seen. I mean, you look at you look at Odell Beckham's friggin' injuries. You know, the second one wasn't even on contact. And as far as I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't even think the first one was. So there is a problem with the turf. Just go back to artificial grass. It's not that hard. It's a simple solution. And it's one that doesn't take that much time. And your stadium will be ready in days to play on it. So I don't know why MetLife didn't do it this week, considering the fact that they that you know they had to go to Dallas. So why not just do it then? You know, Ford Field, you know, they could do it today. But, you know, so far, MetLife's the only one who's looking to change it. I don't know if Ford Field's going to. Uh, I think the Cincinnati Bengals have the same type of turf, and they're another one that needs to change it. But we'll see what happens on that front in the in the coming months. But Giants-Cowboys. And you got to give the Giants all the credit in the world here. They're depleted practically everywhere. But they're a team that really needs secondary help. Adoree Jackson was definitely missed out there yesterday. You know, you got Daniel Jones trying to do the best he could do. But with no top-tier wide receiver other than maybe Darius Slayton being the biggest name in the wide receiver room right now, Giants are just what they are, and that's a wild-card team. But hey, if you're a Giants fan, you got to look at it from this perspective. At this time last year, they had, what, like two wins? So they're already on the right course with Brian Dabble and Joe Sheen, you know, at, you know, at the helm of this thing. It's just a matter of getting that wide receiver. Now, is it going to be Odell Beckham? If you look at the final three teams, and let's dissect this before we get into the Viking Patriot game, which was another one that was Justin Jefferson is just, he's a freak of nature what this kid can do. But when you break down the Odell Beckham situation, all right, first it was the, it was, it could have been the Niners, it could have been this team, it could have been this team. Now it's down to the final three Giants, Cowboys, Bills. Now, Odell has been known to say he wants to go to a Super Bowl contending team. Well, the Giants aren't it yet. But if you put Odell on this team, they wouldn't win it this year. But the following few years that Odell's back in New York with the right system, obviously, which I think they have with Dabble, you know, you, you get another, you know, you would get Sterling Shepard back healthy next season. So him, Slayton, and Odell would be a decent trio at wide receiver. You got to go out and, and get a decent tight end. You know, you got to bring Barkley back. I don't know if Daniel Jones would be the captain of the ship or the Giants go elsewhere or do they kind of try to franchise Daniel Jones and see what the chemistry is with him and Odell. I don't know. Then you have the Cowboys who have been making the strongest pitch. And you already have C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup, but if you add Odell Beckham into that wide receiver room, Dallas is more dangerous now than they were to start the year. I don't see Buffalo as the third as, as the team he goes to because they're pretty much already stacked with you know with, with you know with Gabe Davis and, and Diggs and they got you know 
Dawson Knox, a tight end, and they got, you know, McKenzie that they use in the backfield and as a wide receiver. I don't see him going there. So I really think it comes down to the Giants and the Cowboys. Unless there's a sleeper team out there we don't know about that makes a last-ditch effort to get Odell Beckham. Maybe somebody like Green Bay who, would, to me, would have been the team I thought he would have gone to because they need wide receivers more than ever to the fact that they're even, they even worked out former wide, former wide receiver that was there from 16 to 19 in Geronimo Allison. Not that that's going to do much for Aaron Rodgers, but at least it gives him another weapon opposite, you know, Christian Watson and Lazar at this point. Um, but honestly, if I had to put my money on it, And even though Odell's been known to say at least what we've seen and read, I don't, I haven't verbally heard it out of his mouth. But he wouldn't come to New York if Daniel Jones is the quarterback. But the question is, can Buffalo, New York, and Dallas each give him what he wants? And that's a multi-year deal. Now that's a risk. Now that's a risk based on the fact of this guy's already coming off of. Back-to-back ACL surgeries in a short amount of time. From one to the second one. And then you, and then he's looking for a multi-year deal with probably a ton of money attached to it. Now the question is, can Dallas afford to pay it? The fact that you're paying Michael Gallup a ton of money. Ezekiel Elliott a, a boatload of money who really hasn't done much. And then you're paying Dak Prescott a lot of money. And you still got to try to lock up Tony Pollard. Because if you let Pollard leave, he may flourish somewhere else. Or he may just sink and be one of those guys that, hey, I'm a beneficiary of the Dallas Cowboys system. Because, you know, Zeke can wear him down on the on first and second down. I come in on, the, on third down and I can just barrel through everybody. And maybe that's why Tony Pollard honestly looks so good. But you've seen when Pollard's gotten the chance to start. That he wasn't bad either. So it's a matter of what can Pollard do if he were to leave. But with Odell, I think the the, the, the obvious choice here is a reunion in New York. Obviously, we know it was cancerous with it was cancerous with you know with with, with Gettleman there and but you know at the end of the day, Gettleman's not there anymore. And the Giants need an Odell-type wide receiver where you could throw it up and he'll go get it. That's what the Giants need. That's what they've been missing. So, th- for me, the choice is, it's, it's plain and simple. It's, you come back to New York because New York can give you what you're looking for. I don't think Dallas has got enough money to really give Odell what he wants. He's not going to come back on a one-year deal. And he's definitely not going to want to get paid in Bitcoin again. So he's going to want cold, hard cash. And the Giants are the team that honestly can provide it. And yeah, you have to worry about, are they going to re-sign Saquon Barkley? I think if, honestly, if you can land Odell Beckham on the Giants again, it tells you that they're committed to bringing back Saquon Barkley. Because... If anyone's been pitching Odell back to New York more than any giant right now, it's Saquon Barkley. I mean, you see interviews with Darius Slate where they're like, so where do you think, you think Odell comes back to New York and 
you know, Slayton will put that little smirk on. And I think somebody out there knows the true choice that Odell's going to make, but nobody's going to say it. I honestly think he's had his mind made up. He just wants the attention of, let me hear your pitch anyway. You know, it's like a, it's like an actor trying out for a new agency. You know, and, and, and you know, and they do that whole, oh, I'm actor. Like, let's say from the show Entourage, when you, you, you know, when when uh, Vincent Chase left Ari Gold, and he was going all over the place, and like Vincent Chase McDonald's, you know, like putting his name up against big brands, and that's like what the Cowboys and the Bills and everybody else are doing with Odell Beckham. They're like, you know, oh. Burger King, Odell Beckham. But with the Giants, it's it's it, it, it's emotion. It's it's Barkley wants Odell back because when Barkley came into the league, Odell was still with the Giants, and I think Odell still got some football left in him that can help the Giants out. So, you know. But on the other hand of it, Odell's got to give Jones a chance. And even if you sign Odell this year. If you're the Giants, it's only a small timetable of the chemistry that could be created. And it's the same thing if he goes to Buffalo with Josh Allen. And it's the same thing if he goes to the Cowboys with Dak Prescott. It's a small window of building a chemistry that if I'm Odell Beckham, honestly, I say, listen, I'm signing with, and let's just say, hey, I'm going to sign with the New York Giants, but I'm not playing this year. I want to be fully healthy. I want OTAs. I want training camp to build a chemistry with said quarterback, whether it's Daniel, whether it's Daniel Jones, or it's somebody they sign in free agency. And I would do that. And I, it would be the same thing in Dallas. Listen, I'm coming to Dallas, but I'm not playing this year. I want to be fully healthy and have a wider timetable in order to build this chemistry. And it's the same thing in Buffalo. You know, I, I want to. I'll play for you the following year, but I want that time to build a chemistry with the quarterback, and and take the time to learn the offense. Because there's guys like you look at recent trades app, like you know, like Christian McCaffrey to San Francisco. He had to, he wanted to he wanted to be on the field so bad. He learned the playbook in like three days. The difference between McCaffrey and Odell Beckham is Odell Beckham is coming off of ACL surgery and McCaffrey was healthy. And there's the difference. You know, you look at TJ Hawkinson. He, he's already adapted to the Minnesota playbook and the Minnesota system. But TJ Hawkinson, unlike Odell, has been healthy all year. So if you're signing Odell... And he says, hey, listen, I'm signing, but I'm not playing this year. You got to take that for what it is. And you got to understand how I just explained it to why he's not going to play this year. Because he wants to have that timetable to get to know the playbook, get to know the system, get to get to build the chemistry with not only the quarterback, but the, but the rest of the wide receiving team. And not only that, the team in general. And I dig with the Giants. And this isn't to bash the Giants and say the Giants ain't going nowhere because... Who knows, you know, the following week, the Giants could go on a win streak and go and tear through everybody and go and win a Super Bowl. Okay, I'm not saying that can't happen, but what I'm saying is 
Odell's best chances of getting what he truly wants is coming back to the team that with Gettleman at the helm casted him off. And I don't think, and Odell's been known to say that he holds no hard feelings towards the rest of the Giants. It's really just Gettleman. And we all know, if you're a Giants fan, we know what kind of rain that was on the Gettleman. It was a head-scratching, what the fuck? What do you, you, you give the guy a, a, an extension, the one he wants, and then you trade him to Cleveland to die. And, and speaking of Cleveland, you Cleveland Browns fans, this is why Cleveland is always going to, Cleveland is going to last forever. You think that Deshaun Watson coming back is going to, up your chances to get to the playoffs. The Browns are sitting in the basement with the Steelers, so you might as well just fucking enjoy it. Okay? You might as well at this point just tell Deshaun Watson, don't even play this year. Okay? And, and it's funny how people are saying, all these Browns fans, oh, you know, this whole time he's been sitting out, he's been scouting defenses. and Yeah, right. Deshaun Watson was scouting one thing. And now his underground, dirty rubbing tugs in the Cleveland area. He wasn't scouting no defenses. He wasn't reading no playbooks. He wasn't doing nothing. Okay? He wasn't doing shit. And as far as I'm concerned, I've still yet to see him come out and offer any form of apology or any remorse at all still. But, again, the NFL is going to let him play. So, whatever on that note, we've we, we, we beaten that to death and we're not going to do it again. So, as far as I'm concerned, Watson comes back, he comes back, but we already know what's going to happen. So, we'll just let the fireworks go off when he comes back. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, the Vikings-Patriot game last night, and at one point it looked like Jones and, and Kirk Cousins were just, just having a shootout, and it was touchdown for touchdown, field goal for field goal, and in the end, primetime Kirk showed up. You know, game-winning field goal. Justin Jefferson breaks Randy Moss's record. He's, he's you know, he's got the wide receiving record now in three seasons in Minnesota. And Justin Jefferson's already up there with some with some guys in Minnesota history. Uh, Anthony Carter and Chris Carter. So, I mean, the sky's the limit for this kid. And if I'm Minnesota, this kid's going to get a bag full of cash. Because you got to keep him long term. He's part. He's part of your future. I mean, you think about it. You look at this year's past draft, and thirty-one teams passed on George Pickens. This kid was George Pickens before George Pickens came into the draft. Okay, and you look at George Pickens, and thirty-one teams passed on him. Thirty-one teams also passed up on Justin Jefferson. So, if you're a Vikings fan, yesterday, Thanksgiving, that's one of the things you're thankful for. Same thing with Steelers fans. 31 teams passed up on George Pickens. Be thankful for that. Even though he did something stupid in last week's game and gets ejected, it is what it is. But, <laughs> um, you know, but again, it was, you know, all three games all had that sex appeal yesterday. You know, Buffalo... You could tell, like at the beginning of the year, Buffalo was this machine that just, you know, it couldn't be stopped. But the minute you lose one guy, you know Allen's playing hurt and he's playing through it. 
And, you know, the thing you got to love, though, in Buffalo is the fact that when, when Allen is in his own head, after he makes a mistake, there's Diggs telling him, listen, get out of your head. Get out of your head. Get out of it. Just clear your mind. Go back out there and sling the fucking thing on the next set of downs. You know, and just forget the mistakes. Forget it. Just go out there and play it. Just play a mistake-free drive and just get us down the field. And that's the chemistry that I'm talking about that Odell needs to build with whichever quarterback he decides to play with. Whether it is Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, or if it's Daniel Jones or quarterback X in New York, depending on if they stick with Daniel Jones as their long-term plan. I don't think they do, honestly. But Dabble's also come out and he says, you know, this kid's been ruined by the Giants because of David Gettleman. Without saying Gettleman's name, that's in essence who he's referring to. He's telling you that David Gettleman ruined his team. I mean, you think about it in the Gettleman era. How many coaches have come, come and gone? How many offensive coordinators come and gone? How many different playbooks did he have to learn? So Daniel Jones, to me, has never gotten a fair, a fair shake at really learning one playbook. He hasn't. He, he really hasn't, if you think about it. So I think you franchise tag him. Let's see what he could do in year two on the Brian Dabble. Now, let's shift focus over to the Jets. Zach Wilson gets benched. Now, you got people coming out saying, you know, everybody's bashing Zach Wilson, but the Jets, but he, but he, he led the Jets to a 5-2 and two record. Okay. Here's the issue with this, though. And they're comparing it with Tyler Henneke in Washington. And how even if Henneke has a bad game, he won't get benched because the team plays better with him on the field than they do without him on the field. And that's according to head coach Ron Rivera. Okay. I understand all that. But here's the thing. If Tyler Henneke has a bad game, Tyler Henneke's taking the fall. Zach Wilson didn't. And because there was so much scrutiny and so much anger in the Jet locker room, Robert Sala had no choice but to bench Zach Wilson. Now, this doesn't mean Zach Wilson's career in New York is over. According to, according to Robert Sala, I think different. I think, honestly, that, again, this is not the right quarterback for the Jets. And if you're a Jets fan, you have to agree with me on it. Okay? You have to agree with me. The fact that this kid is immature. Now he's coming out and saying the right things because he's being coached to. Okay? He's coming out and saying, I'm not doing a good job and blah, 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 blah. But that's all coached. That's all to save face. But Zach Wilson is that entitled little prick who came for money, never had to face accountability for any shortcomings. And if he fucked up, it was money fixed it and... No amount of money is going to fix this, though. Bottom line is, Zach Wilson, if the Jets keep Wilson as their quarterback for the next three, four years, the Jets' window of opportunity for a Super Bowl closes more and more every game. He's not the guy to take you to a Super Bowl. He's not the guy to get you an AFC East championship. He's not the guy to take you to an AFC championship game. He's not the guy to do it. Neither's Mike White. And sure as fuck, neither is freaking old bag of bones, freaking Joe Flacco. But Zach Wilson's not the answer. 
where do the Jets go at quarterback? If they decide to go outside the outside the, to free agency, who knows? But you have to get somebody that's established. You have to get somebody who's mature enough to take the heat when when it's presented. And that's that's that. That's that. Zach Wilson is not the answer. I don't think he was the answer when they drafted him. You know, honestly, I think if the reports are true in Vegas that they may release Derek Carr, if I'm the Jets and that happens, I have to explore that option. As much as we bash Derek Carr's contract and, you know, and the fact that people are considering him Baker Mayfield 2.0, and yeah, I'm one of them, okay? But you got a better chance of winning the AFC East with Derek Carr than you do with Zach Wilson, you know, people sitting there, it's unfair to bash Wilson when you have Tyler Henneke. The difference is, is look at what Henneke's doing. He's doing that on a Washington Commanders team that's totally fucked. From ownership down. Let's be real. They're fucked. They're fucked. But Tyler Henneke goes out there and he's got some spark about him that gets this team to play better. And Zach Wilson ain't got it. He don't have that spark. Yeah, they got lucky against Pittsburgh because of horrible play calling and costly turnovers. So there's that win. You got lucky against Cleveland, and that was with Joe Flacco. And honestly, you probably would have been better still keeping Flacco as the quarterback. But Zach Wilson came back from injury, and Robert Sala went a different direction. It is what it is. But... Again, if you're a Jets fan and you listen, if you truly agree that Zach Wilson's the answer, please explain why. Because I've seen nothing to the contrary that says he is. And it's not because of a press conference. He doesn't read through his progressions right. He's careless with the ball. He's like Daniel Jones in year one and two. That's what he is. And you could sit there and say, Oh, well, you know, look at the Jets. You know, they've gone through coaches and offensive coordinators. You know, so if you're giving Daniel Jones a chance, you know, and and saying that they have to franchise tag him, then when it's Wilson's time, we have to give him that opportunity too. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because the difference is between Daniel Jones to Zach Wilson, and it's really simple, and it comes down to accountability. Daniel Jones will take a loss on his shoulders. Zach Wilson will just pass the blame to everybody else. That's what he'll do. But with all that being said, I got to take care of some stuff here at work. But I came up with this idea that I was going to do. And obviously, you know, I do this podcast and it covers everything. But I was thinking, being, everybody who knows me knows that I'm, I am one of the most diehard Steeler fans that there are. So I was thinking that one episode a week... Opposite the, the regular ones that I do would just be all Steeler talk. So that might start maybe Tuesday. Because obviously we have the Steeler game Monday night. And if, and if you're one of those Steeler fans on Twitter that says that this game's a lock, it's not a fucking lock. I, I, just, I, I just don't want to hear it. But that's another, that's another idea I'm coming out with. So... If you want, when I post the link, sound off in the comments. If you would, it's something you want to hear. Even if you want to jump on, we'll try to figure something out with that. 
But with that being said now, again, I got to take off and take care of some stuff here at work. So as always, I'd like to thank everybody who follows, retweets, listens. Obviously, my guys at 1420 Sports, Brent and Dave, as always. Uh, two dudes with sports news, sports podcast. Another good one to check out. Um, been having some good conversations with them lately. Uh, Aaron at Brutally Honest Sports Podcast, another one you should check out. Recliner King Sports is another one to check out. Nate's Daily Wagers, Average Joe Sports Podcast, Level of Playing Field Sports Podcast, another one. Uh, sports Bliss with Rob and Chris, definitely check them out. If you're into pro wrestling, definitely uh, Bray Wyatt fan on uh, Twitter, that's his handle. He's got a good one to check out. To everybody else that follows and retweets, again, I'd be here all day if I mentioned everybody. Um, but again, thank you again to, to all of you and everybody else that follows and retweets. Um, you know, and, and again, you know, there's room at the table for us all to help each other out and promote everybody's stuff. And, you know, because again, I got asked, you know, you end your podcast with always thanking all these other podcasts. You know, but do they actually, yeah, they do. They, they they do listen, and they do retweet it, and they do follow. So that's why I do it. They do it for me, and I do it for them. And it ain't going to change today, tomorrow, or what anybody else says. So with that being said, everybody stay safe, and as always, peace.